You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Just before we get to our guest, if you'd like to help us out at Cannabis Health Radio, you can do so. Go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and make a donation. We'd like to continue bringing these podcasts to you to help people around the world. Now to our guest. Multiple sclerosis affects the brain and spinal cord. Early MS symptoms include weakness, tingling, numbness, and blurred vision. Other signs are muscle stiffness, thinking problems, and urinary problems. And joining us to talk about his remarkable recovery from MS is Marcel Ganek of Nova Scotia, Canada. Marcel, thanks very much for doing this. Can you tell me, what were some of the early signs of MS you were experiencing prior to your diagnosis? I actually had no real warning. Um, I was diagnosed with a different form of MS, uh, a rarer form. Um, I ended up going to the hospital on New Year's Day thinking that I was having a stroke with pain and tingling all down my left side. Very quickly found out it wasn't a stroke, that it was something else. Um, And on went the discovery process of trying to figure out if it was ALS or an aggressive form of multiple sclerosis. What was it like for you emotionally? Um, Well, uh, I went to the emergency room and the doctor that I'd met um, showed a lot of concern because he realized that something definitely was wrong. So I went home with a handful of pills and told to try these pills and come back and see him at the hospital again in five days. When I went back, he said, uh, he asked me how I did on the pills, and I said, they didn't do a thing. He said, that's what I was afraid of. He said, said, from the looks of it, you either have ALS or an aggressive form of MS. And I said, well, at least you don't die from MS. And he said, who told you that? I said, everybody says that. He says, well, he says, people die all the time from MS. He said, on average, about one a day. He said, it just gets listed differently. He said, my aunt died of MS this year. So it was kind of a totally different (laughs) approach to this. So I went and started researching ALS and MS and basically every other autoimmune disease they've ever found or named um that doctor wasn't my family doctor and i had to use my family doctor who was actually an idiot um who told me that i was depressed that's why i felt pain and i said so you're saying that depression causes pain and he said yes exactly and i said well could pain cause depression He said, well, yeah, possibly. I said, well, I want an MRI. Well, no, because I don't think you need one, but I'll write you a prescription for OxyContin. 
So I fired him. Sounds like a good choice. Jeezy was an idiot. He was an idiot. I don't, I don't do narcotics at all. Um, the only narcotics I've ever take are intravenously in the hospital and it's usually just before surgery or just after surgery. So any doctor that's offering me a pill, I'm kind of leery about. So I went back to the original doctor that met me in the hospital and got him as my family doctor. And we started the the process. Um, In just a bit over one year, I went through uh, six MRIs, my entire body x-rayed, over 200 blood tests, and finally a spinal tap to get definitive proof of what this actually was because the, the evidence was so different than what's normally found. So what was the diagnosis, Marcel? Progressive relapsing multiple sclerosis with a variant called Marburg syndrome. And basically what that means is you have a form of MS that you know, you usually die before you're diagnosed because your death is usually within about six to eight months of onset. Wow. Um, as soon as he had hinted that it could be ALS or MS, I started researching. And, and a common factor that I found in a lot of the research is that whether it was MS or ALS, cannabis showed benefit to relieving symptoms. And I needed to relieve symptoms in order to research to figure out what I had Um, because the thought press was pretty hard when you're in constant ball of pain, tremors, seizures. Uh, Basically, it's it's like a a walking nightmare that takes away your ability to walk. Marcel, so I, were you were you progressively deteriorating um, on a weekly and daily basis? Um, the The progression of disability was rapid. Uh, within a few weeks, I needed a cane just to move around. Um, f- within a month after that, I was in a wheelchair. But what I had done is, with the research that showed that cannabis was beneficial, uh, my wife went out and got me some pot, smoked it, and it actually helped. But at the same time, I live in the same town that Rick Simpson's from. And a lot of, he had already finished his trial, so I decided I might as well call Rick and find out what success he's had with MS or ALS with people ingesting the oil. So we went out, met with Rick at his place, had a really good chat. Um, He had no information for me for any autoimmune disorders other than it doesn't hurt to try it. So I tried it. Um, and I actually went a whole day, well, not a whole day, a good five or six hours pain-free. But I also probably consumed half a gram of oil as a single dose. So I went back home and I thought, all right, I've got to make some oil, number one. But now I've got to figure out how to make this work better than just shoving a big gob of oil in your mouth. So then I started ingesting oil as is, but trying to figure out how to make it a little more cost effective and better. And still playing the the doctor's game by trying different medications, um, all of which none were narcotics. Um, At the time, 
of my official diagnosis before I was legal, I was taking 27 pills a day. Five pills were for the side effects caused by the other pills. Um, I got my official diagnosis. My doctor signed my forms. And the day after my approval showed up from Health Canada, which was in September of 2009, I believe. Yes, September of 2009. I started ingesting oil on a daily basis and worked with my doctor to wean myself off of all of those medications. How much oil were you taking? Um, I started at uh, about a gram a day, I think, or just under a gram a day. Um, I had already had a designated grower set up. He supplied me the day my license was approved by Health Canada. So that's a significant amount of oil a day, a gram. Were you getting? Yeah. Were you getting a bit of a buzz, Marcel? Nothing, no buzz at all. But I was getting relief. Um, and this and was, that. This, sorry to interrupt. This was high THC. Fifty. Uh, this was. Or? This is what I call a balance of three to one. So about uh, on average thirty percent THC, ten percent CBD, and. That wasn't consistent because each crop, it would be slightly different. But I learned very quickly that I could get more relief by mixing trim in with the bud to produce the oil. Because there's more CBD on the trim than there is on the bud. Right. So um, I finally got off all the medications, but I was still progressing. But I was still able to research. Uh, Around 2000... I believe around 2011, I upped my prescription to from 10 grams a day to 30 grams a day and started ingesting uh, about two and a half grams of oil a day, except for a period of time when I thought my appendix burst and I ended up in the hospital and they kept me in the hospital and said that I it wasn't my appendix, but there was something else wrong. So they spent a week testing me. Um, to come back and say that I either had multiple tumors on my small intestine or I was full of the worst case of colitis they ever saw and they wanted to do surgery. So we had a big argument about the surgery. My first question was, are you sure it's not the MS? And they said, no, no, we're pretty sure it's a lot more serious. Well, I don't know. I don't Your know. MS sounds pretty serious, just saying. I kind of felt that way myself. but <laughs> So they they opened me up, but I was smart enough because I don't trust all doctors. So a friend of mine is an anesthesiologist, and I had her as my anesthesiologist because I knew if she was there, she wouldn't lie to me. Um, so she actually came in on her vacation uh, for my surgery, woke me up told me everything, and off she went to rush back to the airport to catch her plane to Germany. The doctor came in, and after a a little bit of a a humorless joke of his part of it might be the cannabis causing it, he explained to me that my MS had progressed to my organs, where it was actually closing my small intestine so that I wasn't able to eat. And his only offer of relief was narcotics. So I went home and I started uh, 
ingesting about five grams of oil a day uh, to help relieve the pain. But as I was doing this, I also realized that I haven't eaten anything in a month. If cannabis attaches to fat, then how is it being absorbed if there's no fat in my diet? Mm -hmm. So I started mixing it with olive oils and coconut oils and things like that. And I started getting a little more relief. Right around that time is when they'd come out with the vascular surgery procedure to open up blood flow, relieving blood from the brain, which they've found to be very common in most people with MS. Um, I ended up being told that I wasn't going to make it to Christmas. I'd lost uh, 100 pounds in three months. My friends caught on and started fundraising and working with a doctor in New York and got me an emergency appointment on a weekend that we flew to New York. I had vascular surgery on a Sunday, got checked out on, or sorry, on a Saturday, got checked out on a Monday and flew back, or sorry, got checked out on the Sunday and then flew back home that night. And that was before the U.S. really started pushing about cannabis at the border and asking the questions. So we snuck in, we snuck out. I had very nice people meet me in New York State with cannabis made to my specification so I would have relief during the procedure. And I actually got some instant relief as soon as the procedure was done. Um, I was able to walk. I had balance. One of my jugular veins was closed by 90%. So that relieved a lot of pressure on one side of my body or one side of my head and neck. But I knew it wasn't a cure, and I had to keep researching, and I knew the key might be in the lipids. So I went back to researching. And in March of 2012, I changed everything I was doing and started mixing cannabis oil with hemp seed oil. And the first thing I noticed on the very first dose was I was really, really high. So I had to cut back next to nothing and start titrating because I was getting extremely high by mixing it with hemp seed oil. Um, and I went back up to eventually up to the two and a half grams a day and stayed there until, well, early 2016, I guess is when I started realizing that I'm getting high off of this dose. So I had to start cutting back my dose. And what I realized is that a lot of the neurological damage that had been done in the beginning was repaired. Wow. Therefore, I didn't need as much oil or as much cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to start cutting back on what I was taking. So I cut back drastically and stayed at a maintenance dose. Um, and even at that maintenance dose, I was starting to get high. How much, this, how much were you taking for a maintenance dose, Marcel? Um, about a tenth of a gram of oil. I mean, before that would be nothing for me, but it was still, still quite strong. Along my way of researching and, 
and understanding how cannabis works and how I could make cannabis work better, um, I developed products such as topicals and edibles for patients and supplied them to patients and friends and actually all patients because I only have supplied to friends, just patients. Uh, I come up with a way to that was unique and unheard of. So I got together with a, a few friends and and what we've done is we've applied for a patent for basically a whole plant cannabis extract in a capsule or pill form that I now take one fiftieth of a gram a day of cannabis as basically as a maintenance dose, uh, but it relieves any pain or anything I have and allows me to fully function. That's amazing to take that little amount and get relief. So it it works extremely well. The uptake is slightly different than what most people are used to. Um, We've been doing double-blind clinical trials as well as case studies for the last year um, as all part of reinforcement for the patent, which goes out in July to the public to tell us that it's not true, which they can't. And tell us that it already exists, which they can't. Um, as soon as the patent's done, then we will go after a DIN number. So that we'll have a, an actual whole plant cannabis product prescribable by doctors and covered by insurance. These case studies, Marcel, are they just being done on MS or other things as well? What uh, we did was the first case study we did was on multiple sclerosis. Um, and the problem that I have with trying to do cannabis studies is we, thanks to the Smith ruling, we can supply to other patients because the Smith ruling states that patient to patient is quite acceptable um, as long as it's in concentrate form. That's great. That just means we have to use legal patients. The problem with using legal patients is they already consume cannabis. So now I have to talk these people into, A, not smoking or not ingesting any cannabis products at all during the trial, and B, there's a 50-50 chance you might get a placebo for a period of the trial. That made it hard to get recruits. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) Because a lot of people don't want to take that chance. But unlike a pharmaceutical company, um, I couldn't be that mean. That, you know, all right, well, at the end of the trial is over. Thank you for your time. Yes, you were given a placebo. And uh, here's a pen. We didn't do that. What we did is uh, we took 10 patients with MS, supplied them with two weeks worth of medication. Half of them got placebos. Half of them got medication. Our research team collecting the data had no idea of which got the real and which one got the medicine or or the placebo. So our goal was, one, get feedback from the patients on well how, how well it worked, and two, have our researchers be able to identify which patients got the placebo and which ones got the actual medicine. Um, our researcher was able to do it within three to four days. He knew which had the real, which had the medicine just from the results back. As soon as the trial was over, or that first phase of the trial was over, every person that got placebo was then sent two weeks' worth of medication. Uh, 
and followed up as individual case studies. Then we did the same thing with um, patients with PTSD. And we had essentially the same results um, with the PTSD trial that we did with the MS trial. And they're really a pain to run these double-blind trials. And we knew that after the patent, we'd be running bigger ones. We decided we would go after as many different types of illnesses that people treat with cancer or cannabis now, um, staying away from ones that would be long-term, such as as treating somebody for cancer or something like that. Um, we needed to be able to do two- and three-week case studies. So we picked people with spinal cord injury, arthritis, osteoarthritis, uh, fibromyalgia, uh, basically, it's a whole wide range of them, and there's quite a large number of them that are reporting their findings daily as we speak. Have you done any work with migraines? Actually, I I uh, gave somebody who was complaining about migraines, and I gave him two capsules, and I said, take one. I said, wait an hour. I said, if it, you don't get any relief, take the other one. The next day, I talked to him and I said, how'd you do? And he said, well, I went home, took the one capsule. An hour later, I was out mowing the lawn. He said, uh, the migraine was gone completely. I said, so you didn't need the next one, the second one? He said, no. He said, I'm actually saving it, he said, for the next migraine. <laughs> wow. Marcel, I'm interested in uh, what you said earlier. You were taking five grams a day. You went down to two and a half grams a day, then a tenth of a gram, and with your uh, I guess proprietary method of making this oil, you're down to one fiftieth. Right. When you mixed the cannabis oil with the hemp oil, you said you got high, and I'm wondering why that occurred, given the fact that hemp oil has such a low THC. Well, when I was really sick and realized that that cannabis has to attach to a lipid. Um, and the majority of the lipids in our diet are omega-6, I started researching other lipids, such as omega-9, 12, and 3. And I stumbled across a, a study. I mean, I literally have read tens of thousands of studies, medical documents. Um, I mean, me and PubMed go way back. So I found a study that was done, I think, in Sweden with using hemp seed oil in rats. And they were giving them both cannabis, but then one set they gave the uh, a high diet of omega-6 fats like normal, and the other one they gave a high diet of omega-3. And the omega-3 rats were all lean, active you know, spinning on their little wheels, jumping around, exercising. And the omega-6 rats were all lazy, fat, laying around. All they wanted to do was eat. It sounds like <laughs> us, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds like society today. <laughs> it does. And so they took that research into weight loss and didn't bother anymore with how this works. So, of course, that led me to started saying, all right, what are the interactions of the CB1 and the CB2 receptors versus omega-3 and omega-6? And the research I found showed that with omega-6, only about half of the receptors open. 
but with omega-3, all of the receptors open. Wow. That led me to believe right away that by using omega-6, I was actually wasting a lot of cannabis. The human body doesn't store omega-3. The fat that you store is an omega-6. The, the excess omega-6 fats goes to your body and is stored as fat, becomes a waste product. This is why you fail drug tests, you know, 30 days after smoking a joint because they're testing the urine. Most of your waste product is being dispelled through urine. Omega-3 is a fat that's completely absorbed and used by your body. Um, so by mixing the cannabis with the omega-3 fats, it was all being utilized. Therefore, I didn't need near as much. And hemp seed is a great omega-3. Right. So, I mean, you look at fish oils, flaxseed oils, they're all omega-3s. But then it kind of just dawned on me because, you know, I do smoke a bit of cannabis, so I do get to think. Um, <laughs> and it dawned on me that th this plant is, is basically a factory. It's an industrial factory where it can produce industrial chemicals, building materials. Um, it's a, a food factory where it can produce food. Uh, hemp hurts. I mean, you've got 21 amino acids, omega-3, 6, and 9, all of the good omegas. It's nothing but pure protein, pretty much. And then you've got a full medicinal factory where it produces the medicine as well as the carrier oil for it. There's just one problem. There's major limitations when working with omega-3, and that is heat. You can't heat omega-3, or you can't heat it any more than 50 degrees Celsius. When omega-3 reaches 50 degrees Celsius, it vaporizes, um, and all you're left with is, is omega-6. So you've got to do this mixing at room temperature, and that's not the easiest thing to do. And people are impatient, so it's easier to heat up a pot of coconut oil and throw some oil in it. Marcel, when you made this product and you first took it and you said you got high, was that surprising? Did a light go on and say, and you said to yourself, you know what, I think there's something here. Actually, the light went on and said, I found the other piece of the puzzle. Because it's the way I've always looked at this is being a, is my MS is a giant puzzle. And how cannabis worked was a giant puzzle. And all puzzles have keys, and you just had to find the right keys. And how is your MS today? Uh, I like to say it's non-existent. Um, I haven't had a relapse in over a year. Um, I can still get fatigued due to overexertion, but that might be because I'm also lazy. Um so you're normal. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I'm normal, but uh, I still have the habit of, of smoking cannabis because I do enjoy smoking cannabis. But I smoke oil. If I want to get high, I'll go do a few dabs. But the oil basically keeps my mood stabilized and makes sure that I'm not going to be in any discomfort. Would it be fair to say, Marcel, that your MS is gone or is it in remission? Um, if it's in remission, then I've totally altered the form of MS that I had. 
by getting rid of the progression. Um, it could be in remission or it could be gone, but it's the only way for me to to be able to, to tell would be to stop using all cannabis products, you know, for the next like cold turkey and and go and i'm not willing to do that yeah but it's fair to say that all previous symptoms of ms have disappeared oh yeah i mean i i still carry a cane but again it's more because i'm lazy because every once in a while i like something to lean on um and if i get tired it does help but uh for the most part i can run if i have to i just don't like to (laughs) <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. When your product comes to market, how do you see this helping other MS patients? Um, one of the keys that I figured out with with my formulation or, or or with what I was doing was patients with MS are usually also very low in vitamin D. So I decided I would test vitamin D at the same time. Um, I was taking about 10,000 units of vitamin D a day using those little pills, mm-hmm. the D3. And my your, your vitamin D levels are supposed to fall between 75 to 150. Mine was an average of around 36 with the lowest being at 28. Um, After talking with some researchers and and pharmacists and such, uh, I found out that vitamin D works exactly like cannabis, and it has to be attached to a lipid, or it attaches to a lipid. Attaching it to an omega-3 lipid versus an omega-6 lipid made sense, so I started adding vitamin D to my capsules. And I went and had a vitamin D test done, and the results come back as a 28 because the the hospital doesn't like you having that many tests. I can only get it once a year. I had to wait a year. But when I waited, went a year, I had just gone a year using only 1,000 IU a day of vitamin D in the form of liquid, um, such as a D drops and mixing that with my hemp seed oil and cannabis oil into capsules. So there was a lot of math to get this dosages down. Um, But after a year, I was at 74.5, and my doctor was more than happy with that result, so I just stayed at that result or stayed with that same method. When I come up with this new formulation, um, I realized very quickly that Yes, I'm turning cannabis oil into a powder, but I'm not just turning cannabis oil into a powder. I'm turning omega-3s into a powder, and I'm turning vitamin D into a powder that's attached to omega-3s. The vitamin D aspect is really interesting to me because, as you well know, Canada has the highest rate of MS in the world. And yes. uh, I've always thought that there was a correlation between our lack of vitamin D and MS, you never hear people in the Caribbean saying, my God, there's a, just a rash of MS as, yeah, as no, a result. And doctors doctors just completely ignore this. What I realized is, is um, old literature. Uh, now, see, there's the, here's the problem with MS. There's 
three different theories of what MS is. There's the vascular theory that it's due to blockages, um, which would be from a, a, a lack of vitamin D during gestation because vitamin D is responsible for your va- vascular system. My mother never was checked for vitamin D and lived in Canada. If she was low in vitamin D, um, then very likely that's what caused my issues. The other one is uh, called Candida pneumoniae, and it's a fungal infection. Basically, everybody has this fungus in their lungs by the time they're 21. If it manifests, it manifests into what they say is multiple sclerosis. And then the third one is the neurologist's favorite is the autoimmune theory in stating that it's an autoimmune disease, meaning that your immune system is attacking your body. Um, I don't believe I, I, I don't believe it's any singular. I believe it's a combination. Um, I believe the lack of vitamin D causes the valve or the, the vein abnormalities, which causes blood to escape in the brain because it can't exit the brain properly. The immune system is, does its job. There's blood in the brain. The immune system is going to go in and clean it up. There's iron deposits in the brain, and those iron deposits won't be cleaned up by the immune system which would end up putting them onto the nerves, the myelin sheath on the nerves, mm-hmm. which the immune system attacks and strips away the myelin sheath. But I think it's all triggered by the fungus to begin with. The nice thing is, is cannabis is antifungal <laughs> and with vitamin D, it's a vasodilator, so it actually helps improve your blood flow. And for your immune system, it actually is the fuel for your immune system. Everybody claims that cannabis cures, um, goes in, cannabis goes in and attacks cancer cells and, and things like that. That's not actually true. Your endocannabinoid system is the system that's feeding your immune system and giving it the fuel it needs to go in and keep your body healthy. Somebody that's really sick, uh, their immune system is, you know, can't keep up, they use cannabis, they don't get that high, but they get relief. Somebody who has an extremely healthy immune system tried to take the same amount of cannabis, they'd be floored. So... Cannabis doesn't cure cancer. Cannabis gives your immune system the energy it needs to go in and cure the cancer. Marcel, would it be safe to say to people who are listening and are cannabis consumers in whatever form that if they were to take the cannabis oil, they should find some way of taking along with it omega-3s like fish oil, flax oil, hemp seed oil? Yes, definitely. I mean, hemp seed oil can be bought in any grocery store um, or a health food store. Uh, it's the price is actually it's stabilized now. It had an upward trend a couple of years ago, but then it went down. Now it's kind of stabilized, um, so it did get cheaper than it was a few years ago. It's basically just a matter of taking your cannabis oil, your pure extract, and mixing it at room temperature 
with hemp seed oil and basically stirring it over a day or two until it's all completely mixed. Um, then filling up your capsules. So I've written a number of blogs and, and instructions on easy way to calculate your dosages. Um, How can people access those that information, Marcel? Pretty much on my Facebook history, I think, is the best way. Okay. <laughs> um, and all of the different groups that I've been involved with. And I should just tell uh, listeners that you're Marcel, M-A-R-C-E-L, and last name is G-I-G-N-A-C. Right. Um, so I'm found usually at uh, Maritimers Unite for Medical Marijuana Events, um, Mum uh, group. I was a board member. I stepped down only because of I know there will be conflicts of interest coming, so I've got to step away. Um, I was also a board member for the Medicinal Cannabis Patients Alliance of Canada. So a lot of information was shared there. So if you go to those groups and in the files, you're going to find a lot of information from me. My problem now is I've just been so busy mm-hmm. um, doing these trials, testings, that I don't get a chance to write as much. And then every Friday night, I'm on the 420 radio show on LifestyleRadio.net. So, i got to tell you, you Nova Scotians with uh, you and uh, Rick Simpson, you're really into cannabis, aren't you? <laughs> uh, well, I've lived in BC. Well, I've lived pretty much everywhere, but I've lived in BC and I lived in Nova Scotia. And the only difference that I find between BC and Nova Scotia is, is Nova Scotians are very quiet. Um We've been growing cannabis here in Nova Scotia. We grow amazing cannabis here in Nova Scotia, um, both indoors and outdoors. So we just don't like the the fame and notoriety of of what we're doing because <laughs> we're a small province and it doesn't take much to fly over. <laughs> Marcel, it was. Uh, I think what you've what you've come across is is going to be revolutionary, and I think the information that you provided us is really, really valuable. Not only for MS patients, but anyone who wants to improve their health. I think it was great. We uh, we really, really appreciate this. Anything you'd like to say in conclusion? Um, just other than the fact that if you can get your hands on cannabis and you can get your hands on hemp seed oil mix them together i do know people that will ingest their cannabis oil and and just chase it with a a tablespoon of hemp seed oil um would that uh be the same as mixing it together pretty much or not quite because i mean it's still going to be going into the bloodstream and getting absorbed into the omega-6 that's already there Mm. um what i would normally suggest is that people take a tablespoon of of hemp seed oil you know 20, 30 minutes before taking cannabis. Well, kind of like the the, um, the effect by using mangoes. So right. mangoes, the terpenes, the, the pinene and the lemonine and the mango help open up the receptors. So if you eat a whole mango an hour before you consume some cannabis, you're going to get a lot more effect off of it. Yes. Emseed oil, you're going to get even more. Marcel, a pleasure to talk to you. It was great to meet you, and I'm sure we'll have a discussion again sometime in the future. Thanks very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Marcel, very, very much appreciated. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, this has been super interesting. Well, I, I mean, I, I just want 
others to learn and and not have to go through all of the research themselves like I did. Thank you, Marcel. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. And that's it. Another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.